You're listening to Ideal Practice, episode number 31. Recently, I returned to the office, and some of you know that it's my first time back in a physical office in town in a couple of years since the pandemic. And once again, I have been struck by the schedules that so many of my colleagues seem to keep. It's just way too common that I see people working literally straight through the day without taking a single break. Grabbing a protein bar in the five minutes you got in between sessions is not a lunch break, y'all. So I myself, at the time you're hearing this, am going to be taking a bigger break. I'm actually going to be traveling, doing a little camping. I'm going to be on the road a bit. And so to give myself a break, it seemed like a good time to revisit this topic. So I want to welcome you to this Encore episode. Just in case you missed it the first time, there is an exercise at the end where I walk you through a couple of questions you can ask yourself to determine if your schedule, your calendar, the way you are structuring your days supports your work, your energy, brings your best self to your clients, or doesn't. I hope you enjoy it. That's what we're talking about today. I'm Wendy Pitts-Reeves, and with over two decades of experience in the private practice world, I've built my six-figure business while learning a lot of lessons the hard way. This is the first podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of energy, alignment, and strategy to build a practice that is profit-centered, but people-forward. This is the Ideal Practice Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome back. This is Wendy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ideal Practice here on the podcast. I love hanging out with you this way. This has been a really good week for me. I don't know about where you are, but I hope it's been a good one for you. I'm actually recording this on a random Friday afternoon. Hadn't planned to do this today, but I had something I wanted to talk about. And there were a couple of reasons why. It's been a really good week. Um, This was my birthday week. And midweek on Wednesday, my partner and I actually took the day off because you can do that when you run your own business. We boarded the dogs so we didn't have to worry about getting back at any particular time. And we took off and spent the entire day on a beautiful hike up in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Then we headed into Gatlinburg for dinner, which is not something I do very often, actually. So it was kind of a rare experience. And then a lovely drive through the park back home at night. It was so peaceful and beautiful and quiet. And there was no traffic at that point. It was just really nice. And uh, I hope you've had a really good week too. I am so enjoying the comments that I'm getting from you guys. I've had people who are sending me emails and text messages. Friends across the country are reaching out to me. Um, Sometime in the last few days, I got a note from someone I had only barely met at an event with a nonprofit group here in town I'm a part of. And she wrote me to tell me that she was on her way to Nashville, was on the road for the day, and was kind of randomly checking out podcasts and had stumbled onto mine and wrote to tell me how much she enjoyed it. And she said that, she said, quote, I'm actually a practitioner of nothing. Nevertheless, 
I found your content to be relevant from several perspectives, but particularly as a fledgling small business owner. She said, so Wendy, keep up the good work. That was really awesome uh, because I barely have met this particular person. And so that just means a lot to me. So I told her that that note made my day. If you have taken the time to write a review, or if you've been one of the folks who have been sending me a note, just know how much that fills my heart. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about why I'm here today. I A couple of things have popped up that made me think about this. One of them was Wednesday, when I took that day off to go hiking. I thought about how great it was that I had the freedom and the flexibility to do that, but also that I have always valued my time almost more than money, honestly. And as much as I talk about money here on the podcast, you think that's what matters most, but it isn't, which is actually why I talk about it so much, because sometimes it needs to be matter a little bit more than we let it. But to me, one of the biggest bonuses of running your own, your own show is that you decide how, when, and where to spend your time. And there are lots of things competing for your attention and time when you own your own practice. Lord knows that's true. But I have always felt like you needed to create a certain amount of white space in your calendar, no matter where you are in your career or what's happening in your practice. So what made me think about recording this for you was something that came up in my conversation with Bonnie Barkley way back in episode number 12. And Bonnie had a really awesome story about how her practice has progressed um, in, a, in a number of iterations. And I certainly encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. It was really a great conversation. But what struck me was she was telling me about how in the beginning, when she first ventured into private practice, she joined an existing group practice, which is a common way folks get started, and it's perfectly fine. She was seeing an average of 32 people a week when she was working at that group practice, which to me is a lot. And then from there, when she went into a solo practice on her own, I asked her, did that change? Were you still seeing that number of folks or did that change in some way? And it actually went up when she was in a solo setting. That was about the time that the pandemic hit. And she said that she was one of the few people around who was still doing in-person work, which she felt like she needed to do because of the type of folks that she was working with. So she had a hybrid practice even then um, that was part telehealth and part in-person. And, you know, folks were really struggling. People were really having a tough time and she has a big heart. It was harder than ever to say no to people. So her hours, her clinical hours, her in-person face-to-face hours actually went up to around 35 or 36, which y'all is insane. I won't say that this is common. It's not, but it's not unusual either. A few months ago, I spoke to a therapist who told me she sees 40 to 45 people a week. That was the highest number I think I have ever heard, actually, in my entire career. And I, when I hear those kinds of numbers, I tell people, that's a recipe for burnout. You cannot sustain that because you can't. But this made me think of a bigger principle here. And that's why I wanted to speak to you about this today. Y'all, our tendency when you run a practice where you get paid by the hour, which is how most of us are paid, it's really easy to feel like, You have to fill every single hour with a paying service, 
a client, right? So when I ran a group practice, which I did for over 20 years, and we often had 10 to 12 providers in our practice, we would joke about how hard it was to see each other, even though we were all right down the hall from each other. Everyone was behind a closed door all day long. And you'd think you might run into each other in the hall or in the kitchen or during your lunch break, but it was always striking to me how many people didn't bother to take a lunch break. At one point, I actually went and bought a table and chairs to put out on a back porch that we had at the office, specifically to encourage people to have a place to gather, sit outside in the sun on a warm spring day, take a break, talk to your colleagues, breathe a little bit before you go back into an afternoon of sessions. But generally, there were only one or two folks out of that whole group that would take me up on that. This isn't unusual, and I know it. We also had once a month, we would have, for lack of a better term, a staff meeting. You might call it a community meeting. You might call it a connection time. But we, part of what made my practice beautiful and part of why I loved it so much is we really were a connected community of friends and mutual, of colleagues who supported each other. And from the very beginning, I knew how important it was that we take time together to just visit check in, how's your practice going? How's your life going? And by the way, how are things around here? Is there anything we need to be doing differently? What are we working on as a group here in the practice? So once a month, we would set aside, in the beginning, it was two hours. And then it dropped to an hour, 45 minutes, then to an hour and a half uh, that we cleared away on a regular basis to meet just once a month to have lunch together, check in together, see each other's faces. It was always a little bit like herding cats to get folks to that meeting. Everyone who came would tell me how glad they were that we had those, how glad they were that they were there. And yet there was constantly a push-pull tension between do I give up an hour or two of my billable time to attend this meeting in-house? We also once a year would host a, uh, a retreat once a year We would go off campus, usually to a small inn up in the mountains or perhaps a cabin and take maybe one evening, maybe an overnight, certainly at least one full long day to connect, to recharge. And there were lots of things we did with that. My point here is that I often have found that it's hard to get clinicians who make a living charging by the hour to set aside time for other things during their work day. And yet, I feel like this is really critical. And I'm going to tell you guys, think of this as white space in your calendar, white space in your life. To not allow that, I'm just going to say it the only way I can think to say it, that comes from a lack mindset. It means that you feel like you have to hustle 24-7 to make ends meet. And although I totally get and understand the logic behind that, there is no judgment here. I promise there's not. It just makes common sense. And a lot of folks on the street would say, well, of course, Wendy, why wouldn't you do that? And I get that. But it actually has just the opposite effect. What you end up doing is end up you end up being exhausted, worn out. There's no room to think, no room to do anything, actually. Uh, other than that, that you end up just working and working and working and working. And after a while, what you have really done is just create for yourself a J-O-B. 
you've just given yourself another job and you're not such a great boss. (laughs) So in a minute, I'm going to tell you what I've always done instead, a couple of things, and see if I can't help shake this loose a little bit for you. I really want to do that. But before I do that, let me step aside for just a moment and tell you about something I've got for you. I know, everybody, that I talk about mindset a lot, and sometimes just that concept can sound a little vague. It's kind of a hard thing to get a hold of, right? Like, all right, you know, creating an abundance mindset, a growth mindset, a mindset that's primed for success. I get that that's important, Wendy, but what does that actually mean? Essentially, it means that when you take time to pay attention to your thoughts, to the way you think about what happens around you, to the energy that you bring to certain situations in your life and business, your influence grows in subtle ways that you often won't even notice at first. Your ability to tune into and manage your own energy empowers you in a way, y'all, that nothing else can do. But I get that it can be kind of tricky learning how to do that. So to make things easier, I have put together for you a collection of my favorite mindset-related books. And I will be adding to these over time, but I've already gathered a bunch together of all the ones that I already love. Every one of these has helped clarify and strengthen and expand an abundance mindset for me in one way or another. And now you too can find them all in one place. All you have to do is go to kit.co forward slash W. P. Reeves, kit.co forward slash WP Reeves. You know, W like in Wendy and P like in Pitts. <laughs> there you will find a little kit I have put together with all of my favorite books for cultivating a mindset of abundance and prosperity. You can search through the collection, find the ones that speak to you, and order them right there if you'd like. Some of these are real gems, y'all. Some of them you've heard of, some of them you haven't. You can check out the whole collection at www.kit.co forward slash WP Reeves and start shifting your mindset right away so that what I'm about to teach you is going to make more sense to you. All right. So let me tell you what I've always done in my own practice. I won't say I did this from the very beginning. But I did it pretty early on and kept it up, have kept it up all the way through. Well, it's kind of irrelevant today because I don't see people three, four or five days a week anymore. But when I had a full time private practice, I was seeing an average of about 25 people a week, 20 to 25. That's pretty much what I averaged. And I was fine with that number. That was a perfectly healthy number. That was a full number. That meant I often had eight people in a day, sometimes nine, sometimes 10. I don't actually mind that so much. We all have our own natural rhythms. I know folks who like to see maybe three or four people a day spread out over the week. I know people who might see five to seven people in a day, but they want to have 30-minute breaks in between. For me personally, I'd always rather have lots of appointments over a few days so that I can have open space at other points during the week. So that's kind of how I did things. But even then, even when I saw people at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, etc., I always kept open a two-hour block, 
usually on Wednesdays, midday. Sometimes it was 11 to 1, sometimes it was 12 to 2, but I always kept open a two-hour block on Wednesdays. That was just non-negotiable. I did not schedule appointments during that time. And I did that because that two-hour block in the middle of my week, in the middle of three, usually three days of back-to-back folks, gave me room to meet somebody for lunch, do a little networking with a colleague who wanted to meet for coffee, run a couple of errands, go buy a birthday present, or just go for a walk. And I never regretted that. Never, ever. I also would sometimes give myself the first hour of the morning on at the beginning of the week, would keep that free so that I could do a little planning and a little review and a little reflection before I moved into my week. For years and years and years and years, I saw people from eight to six with a lunch hour. I, I always take a lunch hour. There have been very few times in my life when I have not, because I just need that break in the middle of the day. I just think it's good for you. And personally, (laughs) I really wish you would take a lunch hour. I think your afternoon clients will get a better side of you if you've given yourself a break to actually eat a meal, a healthy, light, balanced meal in the middle of the day, give your brain a moment to rest. And I would encourage you not to use that time to make phone calls or answer emails, really take at least 20 minutes, y'all. Just if that's all you can do, sometimes you got to return calls, you got to do things. But if you could take 20 minutes and go step outside for a minute, go for a walk, go sit on the porch. If you happen to have one at your office, go sit in your car. If you don't have anywhere else to go, go to the Starbucks down the street, just get out of your office for a minute, give yourself some space. And when you go back into your office to see your afternoon folks, you're going to you're going to be in such a better place. All right. So I always kept those 2 hours free during the middle of the day on Wednesday. I often would start a little bit later on Monday so that I had time to plan and prepare. And essentially throughout my career, I've seen plenty of folks. I've had very busy weeks, but I never sacrificed personal time or white space to do that. If I needed time to meet with somebody to talk about a project, to explore something going on in the community, to make a networking contact that I thought would do the practice some good, anything I could do that was about either serving me personally or serving our practice as a whole, even if it didn't mean it was a billable hour, I would still do that. So go back and listen to episode 12 where I talked to Bonnie. She's not doing those kinds of crazy weeks anymore. She's completely restructured her practice in a way that serves her clients and serves her better these days. So have I got your attention? Good. Here's a little exercise for you. Go back and look at your schedule for the last two weeks. It really can be a bit of an eye opener. Where did you take time for lunch? At least 20 or 30 minutes, preferably an hour. Where did you take time to return calls? Was it at the end of the day? Did you have to stay late? Where did you take time to process claims or file paperwork or write an email to somebody that you need to get back to? On the other hand, where did you have the space to think, to create, to explore? When did you rest? See, in any practice, there's going to be times when you need to work on your business That's kind of what I kept those two hours free when I was going out to meet with people. 
There's a time when you need to work in your business, which yes, see means seeing clients, but it also may mean returning a phone call from a referral source or following up on a, a clinical question of some sort. It also means time to expand, to think, to create. How, are, how do you come up with new ideas for that ebook you want to write or the workshop you thought about creating or the retreat you've always wanted to plan? How do you ever come up with that if you never have time to think? And when did you spend time with family or friends? When did you get the solo time that your soul, your little introverted heart needs? When did you rest? If you're having trouble finding an answer to those questions, then my next prompt for you is going to help. What I'd like to suggest is that you look at the next two weeks and ask yourself the same questions. When will I take a break? When will I take a lunch hour? When will I work on my business? When will I work in my business? When will I give myself space to rest? When will I have time for family or friends? Think about those questions and put it in your schedule. And if I could say one last thing before I pull this to a close, the easiest way to make sure you have this kind of time is to structure your clinical hours in a regular way so that certain times are just blocked off. They're non-negotiable. They don't even show up as an offer to your clients. You don't mention them. It's non-negotiable white space. Maybe it's 8 to 10 Monday morning. Maybe it's 12 to 2 on Wednesday afternoon. Maybe it's from noon onward on Friday. Although personally, I'd rather you use that for something else. But when you have a set schedule, here are my clinical times. Here is my business administration time. Here is my I'm free to meet for coffee time. Here is my solo time. Here's my friends and family time. All of that might not be making you money in the moment, but all of that is going to make you better at making money when you do. All right. All right. That's what I got for you today. I hope this gets some of you thinking a little bit. Would love to hear from you. Drop me a note as a review or send me a DM on Facebook or send me an email and tell me, what do you think about this? Do you take time for yourself? And if not, why not? Are you willing to maybe start? I hope so. Thanks, everybody. Hope this is helpful. And I will see you next time. Bye now. Bye now.